Have you had this feeling all morning that you really weren't sure what time it was? Yeah. At 5 a.m., I double-checked and triple-checked to make sure that the alarm I had set had flipped over to the right time. Just so anxious. I feel kind of discombobulated. Time, one of those things. It has been such a joy for me to spend the last few weeks with you. I, I enjoyed last Sunday at the marathon with my son. I did not run. I just walked a lot. But I thought about you as it was pouring rain and thought, oh, how nice it would be to be with you in this comfortable place. One of the things we did a couple weeks ago in the forum after church is I had everybody in tables, and I asked them to think about their earliest memory of giving, as well as their earliest memory of receiving. So just for a second, close your eyes and think about your earliest memory of either a gift you received or one that you gave. You may open your eyes. Did it bring you joy when you thought of that gift? When we had that discussion a couple of weeks ago, people had all kinds of remembrances. And when it came to thinking about giving in the church, people remembered having a parent or a grandparent who handed them something to put in the offering plate, in the bucket. And they remembered what that meant to them. And there was this expectation. Some people remembered the little boxes that you would fill with coins. Maybe it was for a mission project, and then you would bring it in as your offering, a special offering. Giving, offerings, I want to take us back a little bit, just a a bit before the scripture for today, to think about what led up to this particular passage. You know, if you think about it, Paul was kind of the first person to initiate a collection of money from the communities that he was reaching out to to give to the impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. Paul attached great significance to this offering. It was going to help those who were poor, who were suffering through a terrible famine, and it would relieve some of their need. And he was reaching out to churches, early, new churches. They weren't wealthy churches, but he still knew that they had something they could give. We learn a lot about this collection that Paul did from these letters that he wrote to the Corinthians. So he says to them, I want you to set aside something every week for this project. And you know why he did that? 
He knew that if they set aside the spare amount that they had each week, the collection would be bigger than if he just did a one-time offering. Hmm, interesting model for how we take and receive the offering. What do you suppose compelled Paul to be so passionate about this offering for the poor? Well, part of it was because he cared for the people and he wanted to meet the needs of the poor and those who were struggling in this famine. But there was also another part to that, and that was this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. So he uses this story that would have been so familiar to them that they would have understood completely especially if they were farmers or gardeners. That when you take a handful of seed, and I really had a notion to bring a big bag of seed, and I thought, yep, and it would go all over this carpet. And <laughs> so, but just imagine this big sack of seed and that you would reach down in and get this big handful of seed and throw it out onto the field. And so he knew that they would understand this dilemma of how much seed should we sow? Because if you don't sow enough, the harvest isn't going to be big enough to get you through the winter. So there's this dilemma of how much seed should I sow? And how much should I hold back? That phrase, to sow sparingly, suggests that there would be this holding back of some of the seed, using restraint, being careful and cautious, measuring by the teaspoon instead of by the gallon, calculating by inches instead of by miles. Now, there's... there's places where restraint is good. Sometimes it's good to have some restraint when we're offering criticism. Sometimes it's good to have some restraint when we're spending our money. Think about the prodigal son who spent wastefully and ended up eating pig slop and humble pie. But then I love what Paul does. He turns that whole principle upside down that, yes, while sowing sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Likewise, if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Now, some might say, oh, so I do this because I know I'm going to get something back. There's going to be a reward for me. That isn't exactly what he had in mind at all. He was trying to convince these Christians, these Gentiles out there, that they did have enough to give. You see, they thought they couldn't afford to give, but they could. And giving is one of those things that 
the reward that you get is the joy that you receive. I want you to think for a minute about someone. It might even be someone in this room that you know loves to give. They give a lot of time. They give a lot of energy. They give of their resources. They give a lot of joy. And you can see it. You can see it on their faces. They're smiling. They're always happy. They have a whole different outlook on life. Don't you just want to be like them? The joy is contagious, and so is the generosity. And it doesn't matter how big the gift is. It's the attitude and the gratitude that you sense in the giving. Paul says, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you can share abundantly with others. At one of our forums, we talked about abundant life, and we struggled that day to understand about this abundance that we all know we have, and what is it God's calling us to do with that abundance? How are we supposed to use that abundance that we have? And so we wrestled with the choices that we sometimes make with the resources that we have and wondering if we have truly given God praise and glory in the way we use the resources. Up on the screen, you've been seeing the picture of the Vincent Van Gogh painting of the sower. And I want us to begin to think about the fact that, yes, God is the initial sower. God is the one who supplies seed and bread. And it's the same God who feeds the birds. And they don't have to do anything. No sowing, no reaping, but they are fed. It's the same God who gives rain so that the seed that is sowed is watered and nourished. This is also the same God who gave his one and only son that we would have life abundantly. Paul's praying that these Christians in Corinth would realize the seed of generosity within them and that they would feel it in such a way that they would want to give even out of this, what they thought might be sparse, sparse resources. And we can be sure that if we too sow generously, God will provide a harvest. There's a phrase in that passage this morning that talks about the saints. And I'm sure you've kind of 
at first read that and thought, hmm, saints, who's he talking about when he says the saints? Well, he's talking about people like you and me. We are the saints in that passage of scripture. Those people in Corinth were the saints. The Greek, and I have not had Greek, so I am not even going to attempt to say the Greek word, but the root of the Greek word for saints is the same as sanctified and holy. Wow, that's us. That's us because we are called to live a life that mirrors as much as we possibly can the life of Christ. So what does this all mean for us? What does it mean for Westminster Presbyterian Church? It means that our generosity will not only serve the needs of the people in this congregation, but it's also going to serve the needs outside these walls, the places where your generosity is shared. It means that our generosity is a way for us to say thanks to God for all that we have and all that we are. It's also a way for us to develop relationships. There's a place in that passage that talks about how they longed for those who had shared in their generosity. We long to be in relationship with one another and part of the way we do that is through our generosity. God is the sower. And God has created within our hearts a desire to give, a desire to be generous. It brings us great joy when we use what we have been given and share it with others. And that indescribable gift, that's the grace of God. The grace of God. You see, it's by the grace of God that we are who we are, that we are Christians. It's by the grace of God that we have money to give, that we have time and energy and abilities to share. It's by God's grace that we are mature enough in our faith that we want to give. And it's by God's grace that the gifts we give make an impact on those who need it the most. We can never, ever outgive God. But the one thing we can do as we can give until we experience the kind of joy that God wants us to experience. For the past six weeks, we've been talking about the marks of discipleship. And we know 
that without those disciplines, we're going to struggle because life's hard. And the only way that we can find the strength is to find it in God through prayer, through worship together, being with one another, reading and understanding the scriptures, listening to what God is saying, not only to those people in Corinth, but to us here today. It means serving and being in relationship with one another. And it also means to give freely and generously. Our generosity is part of our walk with Christ. And if you think about it, it is through our walk that others see Christ in us and get to experience that joy as well. There's a passage in Micah that I absolutely love, and I think it kind of captures this. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This painting, I want you just to look at it for a moment. The one thing I love about Vincent van Gogh is there's such a warmth in his painting. Look at that sun, how the rays of the sun are spreading out over the field and over the sower. You know, God is in that sun, and God is sowing rays of sunshine so that the seed that is sowed will be nurtured and will grow. We could be that sower in the middle of the field, sowing seeds of generosity, because I think that's what we're called to do. And now may the harvest be plentiful and abundant enough so that all may be fed. Amen.